Hey, my name is Parker Manuel, pastor of Pinewood Church in Boulder, Colorado, where our mission is to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus. Hope you enjoy today's podcast. Really good to be here tonight, and uh, we're going to look at um, we're going to look at here the uh, uh, from the Book of Acts. Uh, Parker, I got a text yesterday. He's like, "Hey, I need you to jump in if you can." And so, and so it's great to jump in, find out you're in the Book of Acts, and we're going to go ahead and kind of bridge Acts eight and Acts nine. But what I love about the Book of Acts, it's really a book of action. The Book of Acts is a book of action of the New Testament. It, it really constitutes one of the most exciting books in all the Bible. And, and, and really from, from it, it's, it's originally, some people refer to the Acts of the Apostles. The only problem is if you count how many apostles really show up, there's only like three. And there's supposed to be like 12. Remember the first chapter, they replaced one of the dudes. And, uh, but there's only, like, there's only like three that are talked about. So really, I kind of look at the book of Acts as being the Acts of Advancing the Gospel. It's really about a gospel movement. Could you imagine reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four gospels, and then immediately you turn the page and you're in Romans. Romans, it's like, boom. You're, it's like, ooh, that's, that's, a rough, that's a rough merging right there. But God, to put acts in play, really puts the gospel on display. It really does. I mean, to see the activity of God and what God does. And that's what we pray for Boulder and Denver and the Front Range and the Western United States is a move of God where the gospel is advanced uh, all across the West. If you study Great Awakenings, 2,000 years of Christianity, one of the biggest places on this planet that's never experienced a Great Awakening is Western United States. There's never been a Great Awakening. There's been pockets of revival here and there, but not an awakening that transformed and changed the culture. And so that's what we pray for in places like Boulder and Denver and along the Front Range is that there would be a wave, kind of like the snow moving in. There'd be the wave of the Holy Spirit and falling and descending upon people and bringing together life, new life in Christ. You know, my prayer, our vision is that one day that the, that the, that the, uh, the people landscape of Colorado will one day reflect the physical landscape because spiritually it's so short. God really gets the glory for creation, but we're not there yet. And that's one of our visions as we pray this. But this is what's great about this book. It's really the acts of God advancing the gospel. And maybe, and, and tonight, maybe you're here and, I, and you're here for a lot of different reasons. I don't know who I'm talking to tonight. I don't know why God has you here, but maybe you're, you're tonight, maybe you're a little bit of a skeptic, and, and you're here and kind of exploring the church stuff and the Jesus stuff. I just want you to know tonight that as, as you come as a skeptic and you're exploring, that, that this church will really help point you to Jesus. That's what this place is here for. You may be here tonight, and tonight on the inside in you know, it feels like you're, you're coming down with a cold or flu, or maybe it's not the cold or flu, but that ache inside is the ache in your heart because life is really cold right now, and you need the warm gospel, and this church will help you and point you to Jesus. Maybe you're a seeker and you're shopping. There's, there's churches in this community. There's a, this is a great church, but 
There's a lot of churches out there, but a lot of people go church shopping and they can't find the right church. It might be you. And, you know, and this is a great church and everything, but you might be looking for what's trending or what's best, but I want you to know this is a great church because this church will point you to Jesus. And maybe you're here tonight and you're a believer. You're a follower of Jesus Christ, and maybe over time you've been drifting. Used to drifting. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe you're a little bit like what was talked about in the book of Revelation that Jesus talked about. You're not hot or cold. You're just kind of lukewarm. And you're kind of like a guy or a gal that's just kind of in a, in a canoe, and you're on the lake, and you're just kind of however the waves kind of move you around. Well, I want you to know tonight that this gospel is still for you even as a believer. Because we need to preach the gospel to ourselves, even if we've received the gospel and, st- and had a starting point with Jesus Christ. The gospel is not the finishing point. It's the starting point in our relationship with him. We are secure in him, but we have to grow on with him. But this church will help point you to Jesus. How do I know that? How do I know the gospel is that powerful? Because the gospel is a gospel of grace that is powerful and will change your life forever. And that's what, this, that's what we're here tonight about. And that's what this story is. There's two stories in the, in the book of Acts, Acts 8 and Acts 9. And we're going to kind of bridge the two. You know, when you read this book, there's chapters and verses. But I want you to know, when this book was written, you know, over, over years, three different continents, 66 books, all this kind of stuff, they didn't originally have chapters and verses in there. They put that in there so that we might understand better how to find and reference things. So this this Acts 8 with a guy named an Ethiopian eunuch, that's what we know him as. He's a nameless guy. And then Acts 9 is a famous guy in Saul. We're going to look at their two lives because what we can see is the gospel is powerful and transform their lives, and it could transform your life tonight. So let's look at those, those two passages of Scripture. Let's project them up on the screen. And uh, are we ready? There we go. Let's look at Acts 8, 26 through 35. This is our buddy, the nameless guy who's known as the Ethiopian eunuch. How many of you, wasn't that a terrible title to be known as? You know, if you don't know what a eunuch is, come see Pastor Parker at the end. He'll explain that to you, you know, what a eunuch is. But th- this right here, this is a nameless guy. So it'd be like, you know, be like, wh- what's your name? Adam, where are you from? Boulder, okay. So th- we have this Boulder guy, but we don't ha- call him Adam. We just call him a Boulder guy. That- that's what we have here is an Ethiopian eunuch. There's a lot of people in Ethiopia, but they, in, in the Bible, the Holy Spirit shows just this reference, and this is his story. So let's read his story about how the gospel changed his life. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. He's, he's one of God's witnesses. Get up, go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And he got up and he went. There was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch, and a high official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, that's his job, who was in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to worship in Jerusalem and was sitting in his chariot on his way home, reading the prophet Isaiah out loud. 
Isn't that amazing? How did he get the prophet Isaiah, the Bible, Isaiah 53? That's what he was reading was Isaiah 53. There's 66 books, and he was reading Isaiah 53. Isn't that crazy? And then go to the next one. And the Spirit told Philip, go and join that chariot. And when Philip ran up to it, he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? Notice he led with a question. How can I, he said, unless somebody guides me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. So he climbed up in the chariot. Now the scripture passage that he was reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. As a lamb is silent before it shears, so he does not open his mouth. And in his humiliation, justice was denied him. And who will describe this generation? For his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, I ask you, who is the prophet saying this about, himself or someone else? And Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus, beginning with that scripture. Isn't that a great story? That's a story of a life-changing gospel encounter that we see there. Again, just for the sake of argument, if you follow along with me, we're going to look at Ethiopian eunuch, but we're just going to call him E.E. Can you just say that with me? E.E.? E.E., you know, that's, that's, just, that's just easier to say. I'm, you know, I'm, I can't have, I'm like a southern boy, even though I'm not. I'm a northwesterner, but it's one syllable, kind of, right? E.E. So this story is about E.E. And again, we just read, who is this dude? He's a court official of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians. This would be equivalent to the U.S. Secretary of Treasury. He was a finance guy. He was a money guy that was helping to manage the money that this queen had. And so he was pretty significant. But the thing about him was very unique. This is, he's not a Jew. And that's really important. Because up to this point in the book of Acts, nobody but Jews were converted to Christianity. This is the first conversion of a non-Jew that's recorded in Scripture for us. This is significant. Not only is this guy an African, but he's also, we don't, the color doesn't matter, but we know he was black. We, in those days, they didn't call them African-Americans, but he was a black guy from Africa. So not only was he ethnically different, but he also was, he wasn't a Jew. And he... We, we noticed here that due to the persecution of the gospel, he left Jerusalem and came, came down this road. The gospel began to spread to the Gentiles. And that is, that is so important tonight. Because when I read this story, I go, this is so cool. You know why? I'm not a Jew. I'm a Gentile. How many Gentiles are here? Huh? If it, wasn't, if it wasn't for God, God could have just kept the gospel for the Jews. But he decided to go ahead and give it to all nations. You know, I mean, I'll just throw this in. Just, this is free. But in Genesis 12, 1, God promised that Abraham, the father of our faith, would be the father of all nations. And that included us as Jews. So Jesus coming and whatnot, 
Yeah, he came for the Jews, but he came for all mankind. And this story is really, really powerful. I'm so thankful for God that God led us in as Gentiles to experience the true gospel. And this story is a one-on-one encounter. And what I want you to see here is E.E. discovers Jesus in two ways. And this is how we discover who Jesus is. First of all, we discover, we see here, he discovered Jesus through the living word. Isaiah 53 is the passage that he is reading in this story. We discover who Jesus is through the word of God. Now, you may have it on your phone. Maybe you brought the Bible tonight. The point is, this is the word of God. It's what God has given us to reveal to us who God is and who we are. It shows us how holy he is and how holy or unholy I am not. And that I need, there's a gap, and I need a Savior, and that's why Jesus came to go ahead and fill that gap. You and I got this word because God breathed it on us. The Bible says all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. And what that means is when you and I open the pages of this book, or you open the Bible on your phone and you read it, it's like having a face-to-face encounter with the living God. That's why it's so important for you, if you're a follower of Christ, to open this book every day and spend some time just reading it, one chapter a day, whatever, and just dive in and just cry out to God, God, open my eyes. I don't understand this word. Help me to understand Because that's how this Ethiopian eunuch, E.E., discovered the gospel was he was reading the word and the word of God became alive to him in this story. It's so important for this word because this word is necessary for building up our faith, but it's also necessary for us as we begin our faith in Jesus Christ. But I want you to see a second thing here. Not only do we see the, the word of God was given to him, but we see the witness. Who's the witness here? Philip. God sent Philip. Philip is sent to engage and to explain Isaiah 53 to EE. This is so awesome. Because just reading the Bible by itself was not sufficient for this educated, well-to-do, obviously he was a sharp dude. He, he's managing finances and money, but he could not understand. What's great about this guy is he left Ethiopia, he rode all the way up to Jerusalem, jumped in his Subaru and took the freeway from Africa all the way up to Jerusalem and went there to worship in the temple. No, he took his chariot. And imagine, I mean, there's roads, but I don't think it's like 36. I think there are some days when maybe the chariot road might be better than 36, especially with the collapse here a while back you know, from that standpoint. But the bottom line here is he went to pursue worship in Jerusalem to find whatever it was he was looking for, and he didn't find it. And so on the way back, the Holy Spirit speaks to Philip and transports him out and down the road because this EE guy, EE, needs a witness someone like Philip to guide and to answer the questions that he has, understand scripture. 
It's kind of like here tonight. I don't know where you are, uh, again, with your faith. But I know in a room like this, even the last service, there are people that think, I can figure out my faith on my own. I can do this myself. My faith is personal, and I'm going to do this on my own. But I want you to know, you can't. You need help. That's why this church... Pastor Parker and Jess and Matt and so many others in this room, if you've got questions about faith like E.E. did, you need a witness to sit down and explore and find a safe place because the place that E.E. had in the, sh- in the chariot, Philip sat down. Notice Philip didn't start preaching to him. Philip went ahead and listened to E.E.'s questions. He responded to his questions. There was dialogue back and forth. He was starting where where E.E. was, not where Philip was. And that's what's great about this church because they've got, what, 10, 12 community groups. You need a community group. You need a family. You need a group of believers that you can check out Jesus and be in a safe place. And that's what E.E. did. You know, you might be in your chariot. You're going to jump in your chariot and ride home here in a little while as you walked here. But you can't just do that on your own. You need to be in a family. And the Spirit of God has created a place like Pinewood so you can do that. Again, this is a safe place. Ask the questions. Ask the questions. It's so we need Phillips in a community to allow you to go ahead and experience that great, great and safe place. Real quick, though, before I move on, let's give it up to Philip, because look at this dude. First of all, he wasn't an apostle, but he was led by the Spirit of God. He was just an ordinary guy, and God sent him to a nameless guy to be faithful in sharing the gospel and meeting somebody. I mean, I don't know about you, but can you imagine, I mean, being Philip and you're being told by the Spirit of God to go down this road and be in another place, in a remote place, on a dirt road, and all of a sudden, and you get out and you, you I mean, I don't know how he got there. I think the Spirit of God moved him. It's kind of freaky. Yeah, just kind of, it's kind of like, you know, any, any I don't know if there's any, I might date myself, Star Trek. You know, like, beam me up, beam me around. Okay, we got to cut. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Raise that hand. Do that again. Look at that. There's some Trekkies right there. Yeah, beam me. Well, God beamed Philip to this road. And can you imagine Philip getting beamed there? And you get there, and it's like, okay. And you just kind of look around and go, there's nobody here. And then all of a sudden, here comes a chariot. And the chariot stops. And you just engage that guy. You feel led to have that encounter. But Philip, he did whatever it took, and he was obedient. And because of his obedience, here's Philip, and we don't hear from him ever again, but he shares the gospel with E.E. He gets baptized and everything else, but E.E. goes back to his sub-Sahara region. He shares the gospel with his people. And we know from history uh, the great church historian Eusebius said in third century that E.E. goes back to his native country, shares the gospel, and he plants a church. And that church today still exists. And a church planting movement took place in Africa as a result of that because of his obedience. So maybe you're a fellow up here tonight, and you might think, I'm a nameless person. 
you know, or I'm not very, I'm just an ordinary guy. And I don't know much, but yeah, you do. If you're obedient to the Spirit of God, you can be an ordinary guy or gal and just be obedient to the Spirit of God. And there are people that God has placed in your life, in family, where you work, school, wherever, where you need to be that witness with the word and create a safe place and share the gospel. Because you can go ahead and start a movement right here in Boulder because of your faithfulness. You can do that. Just be faithful and be led of the Spirit. And you might be here tonight and you're going, hey, you know, Dave, I, I'm just, I'm just a, a nameless kind of person, and that's okay. That's why this story in Acts 8 is there. E.E. is a nameless person, but he transformed and changed his country. He transformed and changed his nation, his people group. And today, there are more Christians still in Africa than there are in America because of the missionary endeavors and people like E.E. going back home and sharing the gospel. This is the power of God on display here. And it starts with this little story. For that's a nameless, a nameless guy being, who discovers the word and has a witness of an ordinary guy. But then we jump into chapter 9, and now we have a famous guy who's really not somebody that, no, that believers didn't want to hang around. And his name is Saul. Let's read Saul's story in Acts chapter 9 real quick. Now, Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. This is Acts chapter 9, verse 1. And he went to the high priest and requested letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any men or women who belonged to the way, that's the Christianity of that day and time, it was called the way, he might bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Go ahead. There we go. As he traveled and was nearing Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him, kind of like that light on me, but it was much brighter. It blinded him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord, Paul said. And when he says Lord, he's not referring to God, Lord. He's just realizing right now something big is happening, and he's not quite sure what it is. And the voice said, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting, he replied. Get up. And go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. And the men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the sound but seeing no one. And Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they took him by the hand and led him into Damascus. And he was unable to see for three days and did not eat or drink. Wow, is that an incredible story or what? I mean, we have two stories, and, and again, like I said, Scripture kind of divides the, uh, Scripture doesn't divide the chapters, man does, but both of these stories are talking about how powerful our gospel is, how powerful our gospel is, because this Saul later on becomes Paul. Notice in verses 1, 2, and 3 of chapter 9 how Jesus takes persecution against his church personally. Look there, he said, Jesus said to Saul, why are you persecuting me? Notice he didn't say, 
you're persecuting the church. He didn't refer to the church as an it. He didn't refer to the church as a building. He didn't refer to the church or Christians as them. He said, you're persecuting me. Folks, this is, this is a huge point that so much of our faith needs to, is a hinge to. Because this, this, this principle right here causes many people to drift. And that is not just how they see Jesus, but how they see Jesus and the church. You know, what, what we see here is you cannot hate his church and love Jesus. That'd be like saying, Parker, I really love you, but I hate Jess. I know most of you in this room, you probably love Jess and maybe don't like Parker. You know, that may be the story here a little bit. (laughs) Much more accurate, that's right. Thank God for our wives. They make us look better all the time, right? And, And see, the church is the bride of Christ. That's what Jesus died for. And some of you may be new to faith or new to Christianity, but you might be a little indifferent or cold on, quote, this thing called church. I'm glad you're here tonight. I'm glad you're here tonight because this is a great place to go ahead and and allow your faith to be expressed and to grow. Because God did not go ahead and send Jesus so you could figure out this Christian faith on your own. God created the church so that's a place where the gospel can be dispensed and people can go ahead and grow in their faith and participate in advancing the gospel around the world. This is God's plan. God doesn't have another plan. This is, this is what God is going to do. And some of you may be struggling with that tonight because as maybe as you're, you're warming up to Jesus and growing in your love toward him, you can't go deeper with Jesus without warming up to the church and realizing they go to, together. Notice Paul's conversion that takes place in verses four through nine. Saul encounters the living Jesus. And this is what happens to all of us when we experience true Christianity. Notice EE experiences what? The living word. Saul here experiences the living Lord. And I don't know how you've come to faith in Jesus Christ. I don't know how you, you're trying to figure this out on your own, but I want you to know tonight, my friend, wherever you are, you, you, don't, you don't come to faith in Christ through some hocus-pocus kind of thing. You don't, you don't find faith in Christ by just, I'm going to read the Bible, then I'm going to read the Quran. I'm going to check out Buddhism and Hinduism and, and Mormonism and Muslim, and I'm going to decide for myself. No, God, through the supernatural power of his Holy Spirit, as he did for Saul and what he did with E.E., will open your eyes to see and to experience the living Christ. There's some, being born again is something that's supernatural. It's not just something in your head, but you have to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Not just in your mind, but in your heart. But God does something supernatural, and you can't manufacture that. 
The Holy Spirit must come upon you. The Spirit of God must come upon you and open your eyes. So Paul's eyes were blinded only to show him that he didn't know what he was doing with his life and he was living to persecute and kill Christians. And now suddenly because of the the gospel and God revealing himself to him, you know what happened? God opened his eyes three days later. And the next thing you know, what's happening? He's going and taking the gospel to the Gentiles. And this dude that nobody wanted to hang around is now sharing the very thing he was persecuting and killing others for. How does a guy do that? Unless he's had a living encounter with Christ. Maybe you're here tonight, you've never had that living encounter with Christ, and this word has not come alive to you. That's why this is a great place to be, to invite Christ into your life, Lord, Master, and dig into the word and discover the greatest treasure of all, Jesus Christ. I was in college, and the first time I ever heard the gospel was a roommate. And after he shared the gospel with me about what Christ had done on the cross and who I was, and I needed a a Savior because I was a sinner, he gave me my first Bible. It wasn't this one. And I began to read the Bible for the very first time. It took me three years, Parker. But before I I understood what it was to receive Christ, I had to to know who I was and what God had done for me. And I had to have a lot of witnesses around me, and the living word came alive. And man, my world changed. Today, I'm a first-generation Christian because I was the first one in six in my family. I led my, my younger brother to the Lord. He was my first convert. He's a missionary up in Loveland. And uh, several other brothers. There's still two that are not. But my wife and I are first-generation in our family. I've got three children and eight-and-a-half grandkids. And my purpose in life is not to pastor a church or plant a church or to be a gospel minister. My purpose in life is to be a generational follower of Jesus Christ and pass on the faith to my family. That has to be first and foremost. And tonight, my friend, I want to testify the fact that the gospel is alive. And the reason why I was converted to is to advance the gospel. And that's what you're to do tonight. So let me invite you to Jesus. Have you had that living encounter? Has the Word of God been explained to you so that you might understand? God wants to do that tonight in your life. And this is a safe place and a great place to be. Father, I thank you for these people. We thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit and the power of the gospel. God, we we thank you tonight that these people that have come out on a cold night, that God, you want to change their hearts and life and warm them to the gospel and warm them to a place like Pinewood where they can discover and grow in their faith and being followers of Jesus Christ. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for this gospel because we know you want to advance it in our lives and the lives of those around us and in this community. Oh, God, as it snows tonight, may you send your wave of revival and the gospel to our city and to our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more, or if you'd like to join us on a Sunday, head on over to pinewoodboulder.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it. And if you'd like to be notified every time we post new content, then subscribe. And remember, just keep coming back.